0: Welcome to the Daily Boogie. another edition of the daily boogie good to be with you again thanks for joining us i'd just like to start off today by thanking everybody who's shared the podcast downloaded it uh become a subscriber become a uh, supporter thanks so much for your effort and thanks so much for enjoying the show thanks for sharing it out and you know hopefully with some more supporters coming on board This will grow the show and we can get it out to even more people. If you want to get in touch, please do so on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast, uh, click subscribe on your podcast player or head over to patreon.com forward slash Boogie Bumper. First of all, before we get into a couple of topics today, news today about Nikki Haley resigning. Look, I, I really didn't know much about Nikki Haley before she took the job at the U.N., Um, I know a lot of people in the MAGA movement, so to speak, weren't terribly big fans of Nikki Haley because of some of her personal opinions when it comes to, say, globalism or immigration, which is fine. When in the UN role, though, I did notice that she did argue quite strongly on behalf of Trump's agenda and Trump's policies. She wasn't. You know, she wasn't known to take a backward step in the UN crucible and she she might have earned a lot of plaudits for that. The reason that she stepped down, I mean, who knows, right? I do find it amusing, though, as a side note, I noticed a tweet this morning from the Washington Post. It was like one of those counters, you know, like days without an accident that you might see out the front of a an industrial yard or something like that. And it said, days without uh, High-profile Trump resignation and it was obviously down to zero, but <laughs> we've we've known this about Donald Trump since day one. Like to try and use um, people moving in and out of positions as some kind of attack point, it's just dumb because the people who support Donald Trump understood that he made it very clear. He's he's always been upfront about it. Um, you know. I will have people in specific roles to do specific jobs and when I feel like they what they're there for the task that they have been employed for has been completed then I'll move them out and bring someone else in to perform a different task you know everyone has specialties everyone has special abilities so no one this, there seems to be an entrenched idea in politics generally not just in America but in the western world And this idea is perpetuated by the corporate media that once you have a job in politics, you have a job for life. And that should never be the case. And if someone is brought in for a year or two to do a specific job, then you're well within your right to pat them on the back, say, thank you very much. We're going to move you on now and we're going to head off in a different direction. Even government workers aren't entitled to a job for life, although some people tend to treat the roles that they take up in that fashion. And and that's the mentality in the political class and has been for a number of years now. People get in and you can't get them out. And, and that's part of the frustration, not only on the right but on the left as well. A lot of elements on the left, a lot of the Bernie Sanders people. Of course, it's a little ironic to have that position if you are a Bernie Sanders person when you're supporting a guy who's been in in politics for about 30 or 40 years but hey let's not let logic get in the way of a good gripe so i wanted to talk about a couple of things today first up have you heard about the bill and hillary clinton comedy tour are you looking forward to this i know you are i know you're sitting at home you can't wait to race off to the ticket booth get your tickets for a sit-down evening a conversation with Bill and Arnie Hillary from the Business Insider a couple of days ago. Hillary and Bill Clinton to start a 13-city speaking tour to talk about the 2016 election loss to Trump. (laughs) It's in Business uh, Business Insider Australia. Hillary and Bill Clinton are planning to discuss the 2016 election in a series of tour dates starting in November. The Evening with the Clintons, quote, is scheduled to visit 13 US and Canadian cities. Why are they going to Canada? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Hillary Clinton might be arguably the most unpopular Democrat would-be president amongst Democrat voters that has ever existed. I mean, we touched on this a little bit yesterday. Consider the fact that Hillary went up against what she considers to be the worst president of all time and lost. <laughs> why, would, why would anybody want to hear the story of how the Russians stole the election or how everybody's sexist or how everyone's an Islamophobe all of a sudden or everyone's racist all of a sudden? All of the people that voted for Barack Obama in oh eight and 2012 and now they just turned racist when Donald Trump walked out behind the podium somehow. Maybe some kind of magic dust was happening, flying around in the air vents. Who knows? But I I, bet you couldn't pay me to sit in that audience and hear that story. (laughs) We've already heard it. She's never shut up. See, one of the complaints that uh, Democrat people make whenever Hillary Clinton comes up in the news, on the other side of the spectrum, you know, this is a common troll that you'll see in in chat rooms and during live streams and whatnot, and in comments on podcasts like this is. Oh, why? why are you still talking about Hillary Clinton? Can't you get over Hillary Clinton? I mean, the election's done. The election was two years ago. Why are you obsessed with Hillary Clinton? Just forget about Hillary Clinton. Move on. Stop talking about her. And I, my response is always like, okay, well, if Hillary Clinton's no longer relevant, why is she still going on all of these speaking tours? Why are people still sticking a microphone in front of her face? If she doesn't want to be in the news and therefore a topic of discussion, then don't be in the news. Go, Go home and knit something. Bake a cake. Whatever the hell you do in your time off. But she loves staying in the news. She can't get out of the news every couple of days. And the media love it too because you know exactly what you're going to get. Again, there's no surprises when it comes to the Clintons. Every time you stick a microphone in front of her mouth, it's going to be something like... Donald Trump's awful, he's the worst president we've ever had, you can't behave like this, the Republicans are terrible, sexism cost me the election, the Russians cost me the election, propaganda cost me the election, all of the above. Over and over again for the last two years. I I find it amazing that they're now going to try and charge people for the privilege, but hey, I, I, go for it, I don't care. Yeah, I'm all for free speech and I'm all for capitalism, so... If the Clintons can drag in a few suckers to throw over their coins, they're hard-earned to sit down for an hour and a half and listen to these inspiring retelling of the same story over and over again, by all means, go for it. Half your luck. I find it hard to believe that the Clintons are short of a buck, though. I forget how many millions they have in the bank. The Clinton Foundation has been wrapped up, though. That we We should consider that. I mean, if Chelsea was ever to get married again, we need to have something in the dress fund. Should that perish the thought, should that need ever arise. Tickets were listed as costing, this is back to the article, between US $59.50, bargain, bargain. <laughs> can I can I get two? To US $750, ladies and gentlemen. You can sit right up close. You can sit front row for $750. You'll you'll be sitting so close that you can actually count the veins in Bill Clinton's eyeballs. <laughs> His red eyes as he's on stage. You'll be able to notice each individual stitch in Hillary Clinton's moo-moo. That's how close you'll be to the action. The promoter Live Nation said ticket holders would see the pair quote, sharing stories and inspiring anecdotes. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just a regular figure of inspiration is Hillary. Discussing issues of the day and looking towards the future. Looking towards the future. If Is there anyone out there that still believes that deep down in the dark recesses of Hillary Clinton's mind that she's not in some way considering another run at the presidency in 2020. Like it, that does, That's not to say that it's going to happen, but does anybody really believe that Hillary still doesn't believe that she should be in that job? Two unsuccessful runs at president now, once beaten by Barack Obama in the primary section, of the tour and then having won the primary without Barack Obama there, getting defeated by apparently the worst president who's ever lived, a guy doing it for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the Yankees getting beat by a Little League team. That's how unelectable she was. But does anyone think still that she's not harbouring some secret desire to get back into the race at a later time and have another crack at the top job? I don't think Democrats would want that. Democrat voters, I mean, they probably want to move on to greener pastures. But I mean, I've heard the argument before from various Democrat power brokers on the on the, you know, the morning shows and whatnot and in op ed pieces that there is a path there for Hillary Clinton to win the nomination because she has so much sway with the power brokers and the delegates in the Democrat Party, so I think it would be suicide for the Democrats to run Hillary again, but who knows? You know she might do it. And I like discussing issues of the day. And you know what that's going to be? It's going to be all the F Trumps that you can possibly pile into an hour and a half sitting. And Bill, yes, that's that's great, Hillary. That's great. What what is Bill bringing to the table? Honestly, war stories of the Oval Office. How to not how to not get your junk caught in the zipper when someone walks in unannounced. And you're polling the electorate, quote-unquote. I don't know what Bill brings to the table in this. But good luck to him. The happy couple. Two years after Hillary Clinton lost the US presidential election, she and Bill Clinton are embarking on a tour of 13 American cities to talk about that loss and other issues. A press release from the tour organiser Live Nation says ticket holders to the Evening with the Clintons will see the pair sharing stories and inspiring anecdotes. The tour is scheduled to start in November 18 at the 5,200-seat Park Theatre and the New Park MGM Resort in Las Vegas before making its way to other cities in the US and Canada. Line up now for your tickets. Line up for your tickets now. They're going to be hot. Hot property. They'll be marching out the door. What kind, maybe this is a little preview. Uh, sourced Reports tweeted this out uh, yesterday. yesterday. Maybe here's, this is what a little, uh, maybe a, perhaps a little preview of what you're going to get from Hillary on the world co- on the American comedy tour. Let's take a look.
1: You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. <laughs>
0: There's some fantastic projection going on in this clip because obviously the the Democrats, the progressives, to be more precise, they don't want to destroy anything about America. They love America. That's why they think that the entirety of the third world should just move in. <laughs> That's why you can't have a border or anything like that because they, they love America so much that they just want to invite everybody in and say, come on in, come on in, guys. This is the place to be. Such it's such a cool place to hang out. They're not trying to destroy America with you know the kinds of protocols and policies such as hate speech, gender quotas, for example. Universities cracking down on free speech and free expression, using the IRS as a weapon to attack conservative groups and Christian groups. This isn't trying to destroy America at all. No, this this is why this is why Hillary loves America. No, it's it's those pesky constitutionalists on the other side. They're the ones trying to change America, not us.
1: That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and/or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. We can't be civil until the Democrats are in complete control of the system once again. Because that's the only thing that's going to stop Maxine Waters getting out in front of crowds of about 25 people, unfortunately for the live goers. But luckily for the rest of us, uh, these things are filmed these days and put out on the internet and they do go viral. Maxine Waters standing there saying, you know, if if you see a crowd, you confront them, you push back on them, you tell them they're not welcome here. You know, progressive activists going into restaurants, harassing, haranguing, spitting on, attacking politicians, chasing them out, chanting, you're a Nazi, you're a white supremacist. I mean, people shooting politicians at baseball fields. Yes. Yeah. that's all, And that's all the Republicans' fault. So, listen up, Republican voters. You need to vote Democrat if you want the attacks on you and your families and your politicians to stop. Okay, it's very it's a very simple equation because that's how we'll get civility back into the system. Just hand over all of your dreams and all of your aspirations and most importantly, your votes to the Democrats. And guess what? The violence stops. It's, It's like it's like Hillary and the Democrats are just punching you in the face saying, do you want civility back again? Huh? Huh? Well, if you want civility back again, you make sure you give us a super majority. And then we'll be civil, okay? <laughs> it really is like a veiled threat from Hillary Clinton. And, you know, as, a, as an outsider looking in, I suspect this tactic, which the, which the progressive left have been doing for as long as I've been alive, which is over 30 years now, as long as I can remember at least, This this tactic of being the aggressor, I mean, all you, you can go on. You can go on YouTube. You can all of this stuff is free public access. You can go on YouTube anytime you want, Twitter all day every day, and see, you know, clip after clip after clip after clip of antifa types, progressives, activists attacking people, tearing up their signs, stealing their hats, punching them in the face, spitting on them, yelling at them, screaming at them, threatening them, doxing them. Hitting them over the heads with bike locks, burning cars, burning buildings, smashing windows, scratching and clawing at the doors of the Supreme Court like animals. It's all out there. And the politicians giving a kind of pseudo-coy endorsement of this behaviour by not denouncing it and, you know, praising the inspiring activism the, the mainstream corporate media saying, oh, this is just the passion of the people standing up, again, a, a pseudo-coy endorsement of the behavior. So being the aggressor in every sense of the word and then coming out and saying, oh, we're the victims. We're the victims. You know, it's it's so hard for us. We, you know, the the Republicans, they just don't want to be civil. They keep attacking and attacking and they're trying to destroy everything. I just don't think it works anymore. I don't think it plays. I mean, it probably plays to the minority of people who get sucked in because that's all they're going to believe anyway. And I suspect a large number of the people laugh knowing that they are the aggressors and they know it's all a con. But they go along with it anyway because it's all about beating, bashing the fash. But the people in the middle and certainly the people on the right uh, these days, I think most of them just roll their eyes. Yeah, okay, more bullshit. More bullshit. Let's carry on with Hillary.
1: But until then, the only thing that the Republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you think the Republicans are respecting the way your apparatchiks are performing in the streets of D.C. right now? Do Do you think they respect that? I don't think even Democrat voters respect that. The footage we saw on Twitter a couple of days ago of Antifa people... You know, blocking streets in Portland, Oregon. Anybody who dared suggest that you know they want to get their car through through the crowd of people so they can go home or wherever they were going was called a KKK or a white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> Completely ridiculous. do Do you think people respect that? Do you think Do you think conservatives respect that behavior? There was another. There was another clip going around the last couple of days of. A clearly enraged woman who, in her own words, she calls herself "I'm crazy. I don't care. So don't get angry at me." But this is what she called herself: uh, keying, keying up a guy's car. <laughs> do you think? Do you think Republicans respect that? Honestly, and the calls to violence. Do you think that gets respect? Calling everyone a Nazi, a racist, a, a deplorable. Remember that one: Islamophobes, homophobes all the phobes and ists that you can list. You think Republicans respect that? Please, it's an alternate universe. It's a different world over there.
1: And you heard how the Republican members, led by Mitch McConnell, the president, really demeaned the confirmation process. Mm. Uh,
0: They demean the confirmation process, yes, by insisting on evidence. By doing everything they can to accommodate last-minute accusations from people. When the Democrats sat on the information for almost two months and refused to ask any questions in private hearings where they could have. Yes, they demean the confirmation process by not simply folding over and yielding and giving up and giving in. And dare I say, cucking out. When somebody with no evidence whatsoever, whose corroborating witnesses don't even agree on the story that's being put forward, when somebody comes out and accuses the nominee of being a gang rapist who drugs women. Yep. yep. By doing that, by insisting on all of those things and trying to accommodate the woman and even saying that they would fly out to her because she said that she was afraid of flying, by doing all of these things, they demeaned the nomination process. So I'm looking forward to the strength, the show of strength from the Democrats, because apparently that's all the Republicans respect, not to mention Hillary Clinton and don't forget the first husband, Bill, on their worldwide comedy tour, regaling the audiences with inspiring anecdotes and stories of her crushing defeat again and again and again to the worst, allegedly the worst president of all time, Donald Trump. Should be fun for the whole family. Drag your kids if you hate them. Moving on to our, our next topic here. There was a report that came out a couple of days ago about climate change. Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change releases special report. a special report this time on global warming targets. The United Nations has released a wildly alarming report on climate change, given the world just a 10-year deadline to take action. From my memory, this is about the fourth or fifth deadline that I've witnessed. We've sailed through a few of them since the release of Al Gore's now infamous movie, Uh, what was it, An Inconvenient Truth, which in order to be played in British schools now has to be preceded by a disclaimer pointing out all of the factual errors within (laughs) within the movie. And, you know, I'm sure people should be called deniers... I mean, little things like, the f- there's, there's a few facts here. One, part of my issue is it doesn't even matter if climate change is real or not for me to make this argument. Number one, a reason to be sceptical would be that the IPCC, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, has not once in over 25 years got one prediction right, ever. Now, that doesn't mean that this prediction isn't correct. But it always seems to be wrong and then we just push We just push out the finish line a little bit further. Just a little bit further. In the article, a special report on global warming has been released today that provides a grim view on the world's future. It states that the world stands up grim view of the future. That's all we've been getting for the last two years. <laughs> Remember, Donald Trump's the president. I'm surprised that the earth is still in one piece. It hasn't been blown up yet. It states that the world stands on the brink of failure when it comes to holding climate change to moderate levels and there is only a decade to try and cut emissions. Just a decade. All scenarios for keeping global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius would involve cutting the use of coal-powered electricity to practically nothing by 2050. 91 authors and review editors from 40 countries prepared the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report and their verdict is extra is every extra bit of warming makes a difference. Yep, 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 yep. So from memory, what I understand was one of the issues that got Donald Trump elected in the first place was government signing up to what was called the Paris Climate Accord, which again, from memory, and I'm happy to be corrected, uh, constituted America paying the lion's share of this fund to quote-unquote mitigate future climate disasters now what mitigation means i don't know does that mean installing windmills on south pacific islands where their economy is run so poorly that they can't produce any wealth themselves maybe that's a maybe that's a factor but i do know that a lot of the money the the bulk of it was coming from america and it was tipped to be in you know the trillions of dollars over a number of years Now, I've seen reports from people like Bjorn Lomborg who say that even if every single country met these quote-unquote climate targets that were pointed out in the Paris Accord by 2050, the world's reliance on renewable energies would not be much above 4%. (laughs) And what effect that's going to have on the climate, who's to say? Another issue was uh, developing. They're still calling China a developing country. I'm not sure why. China is now literally... They've literally built man-made islands in the South China Sea and stuck missile armaments on them, (laughs) and they're now butting heads with the US Navy in what is now disputed waters. When Before it was international water. They just built a few islands and said, okay, this this bit of water belongs to us now. Out you go. (laughs) So, I don't know. I guess it is technically a developing country because their land mass just seems to be expanding by artificial means. So I guess it's developing in one sense. But an arg- a common argument is, well, people have to, we have to allow these developing countries to continue to access fossil fuels at record rates, thus fueling potential future climate change cataclysmic disasters, whilst the Western world, namely America, Canada, Western Europe, Australia, New Zealand, etc., well, they have to shut down their fossil fuel production they have to shut down their access to cheap energy they have to overregulate and they have to spend trillions of dollars making sure that the rest of the world can still burn theirs and you might say well this is all about saving the planet well if it just you just got to think about it logically so particularly the american taxpayers are being asked to the tune of billions or perhaps trillions of dollars they're being forced by their government to pay this money out in order to, quote-unquote, mitigate the effects of climate change, the very kinds of effects that the agreement allowed China to produce. And, you know, logic and facts don't really make much difference to these people, but I'll, I'll point it out all the same. America is already $20 trillion in debt. And, of course, if you artificially raise the energy prices in your own country, Increase regulation, deny your industries access to cheap energy production, where you just further facilitate and accelerate the moving of those industries and businesses to places like China, where they're getting the cheap access to energy. All of the money you're paying gets funneled into huge, unelected, undemocratic, bureaucratic bodies like the UN and the IPCC, and they redistribute it how they see fit. It's Almost like a big poll, a Politburo deciding which peasants get the most cheddar, and this is one of the reasons that Donald Trump was election, uh, elected to put an end to this nonsense. I just wanted to do something a little bit different, I, and I might do a podcast just on you know the climate change economic policies and the kinds of recommendations that come from the UN. I mean, we have former UN spokespeople for the climate change department saying. Well, it doesn't matter if climate change is real or not. This is about breaking down global capitalism on record. Yeah, I think I will. We'll do a podcast about climate change and all of the stuff that we have on these people. But I just wanted to uh, end today's show with something a little bit different. Uh, Mark Stein, you know him. He's a fill-in host for various people. He's been on Fox News a fair bit with Tucker Carlson. Very funny man, very intelligent man. And just a couple of minutes of him speaking in Australia, in Melbourne, for a place called, the a think tank called the Institute of Public Affairs, which is a free market libertarian think tank, discussing what the world might look like should cataclysmic climate change kick in, should the predictions be true.
2: As heir to the throne, the Prince of Wales declared the planet is doomed in 96 months. Unless humanity abandons the evils of capitalism and, quote, the age of convenience. He then got back in his limo and was driven to his other palace. (laughs) Uh, By the way, that 96 months business, he said that 79 months ago. So the bad news is we've got less than a year and a half to go. The good news is that's probably only enough time for another five or six Australian prime ministers. (laughs) Uh, a couple a couple of months before saying that the jig would be up for us in 96 months, His Royal Highness predicted that the Red Squirrel would be extinct within 10 years, uh, which would be April 2019. So, uh, if you've got your uh, long-range diary with you, global civilization will collapse in July 2017. <laughs> and then the red squirrel will get to gamble and frolic in the ruins and rubble for another two years before he's kaput.
0: <laughs> there you go. Mark Stein pointing out the absurdity of it all, the gross mischaracterizations, the dire predictions, and which are always followed with huge, hugely powerful inter- intergovernmental panels, unelected bureaucracies, worldwide schemers, walking up with their cap in hand, asking for more money. A bit like the Democrats. There's a there's a bit of synchronicity there between the two stories. The Democrats are repeati- repeatedly spitting and punching you in the face, demanding that if you don't hand them power back, then unfortunately the civility won't return to the system. Just like the unelected bureaucratic bodies of the UN say if you don't pay them trillions of dollars and go broke in the process and ship all of your industry to other countries then unfortunately they're, they're a little bit more they put a little bit more pressure on rather than mere civility they threaten you with the ending of the world itself so make of that what you will thanks for joining us guys if you want to follow please do so on twitter at Boogie Bumper thanks to all the patrons if you want to become one please go to patreon.com forward slash Boogie Bumper And if you want to support the show, please hit subscribe on your podcast player. Until next time, stay calm, stay rational, God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.